The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to Cars and Culture and in episode 116, I'm your host, Jason Stein. She wasn't supposed to end up here at the end of a drag strip, burning up engines and sending smoke a mile high and racing to the end of the drag strip raceway in mere seconds. Blinding speed, the speed of sound. Maybe Alexis DeJoria was supposed to be in the family business, either the tequila empire of her father or the salon business, which also happened to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest in the world at Paul Mitchell. But nothing says determination and goal setting and charting your own path as Alexis DeJoria. And her path is a scorching one, a passion for racing, a passion for speed, and the kind of career that would make your parents nervous. And they were, just a little. But Alexis DeJoria, NHRA funny car driver and contender for a title, is the kind of athlete that also makes her competitors nervous with her skill, determination, and ability to persevere in a sport that isn't for the faint of heart by any stretch. Her pathway was her own. And she's continuing to blaze her own trail week after week and scorching heat after heat on the drag strip track. And if you don't take her seriously by now, well, will you ever? DeJoria got her start in drag racing in the NHRA Super Gas category, driving a 1963 Corvette Roadster and later competed in the NHRA Super Comp in a dragster. Along the way, she rolled up the accolades, the first female to make a sub four second funny car pass. But she's all about breaking new records, and this year is vying for a title in her Toyota car, doing it all with a smile, an infectious laugh, and sheer determination. She's one of the more unique athletes to appear on this program, and today she tells her story, from the early days of her father's business to the will to go after her dream, which she's still pursuing at the speed of sound. Funny car driver, funny personality, Alexis DeJoria's story on Cars and Culture. Hi, my name is Alexis DeJoria, and this is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. There's nobody faster on this program than Alexis. Uh, I want to know personally what it feels like to go 1,000 feet in about 3.8 seconds. She's going to tell us <laughs> all about that. <laughs> but first, uh, I want to welcome you to the program. What a pleasure Thank to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. You're fresh off a heck of a finish in the Mile High City in Denver, the final time on the Speedway there, and you almost take home the hardware. <laughs> yes, right? so close. I know so that So close. Yeah, but, definitely. But tell me about, I mean, for, for those listening to this program who don't know the significance of where you just were, tell me what it means to be the last person to literally go down the strip at Vanderbilt. Uh, bittersweet. Um, obviously being in the final round, um, was, was amazing. And, and I don't want to take away from that at all, but, um, it is, it is great to say that we were one, one of the last ones to go down the racetrack. Um, the last pair of funny cars to go down Bandemir Speedway ever. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, minus, minus the hardware, we did have a great weekend, uh, we had to fight for a few of those rounds. It got really, really slippery out there. It was so hot. It was like the hottest day. Um, at one point, uh, the top end of the track was about 140 degrees. Um, they have a cooling system underneath the, the starting line, but at the top end, it's kind of, <laughs> it's a free for all. So, um, you know, I, I knew at some point I was going to have to pedal this beast and, uh, I won one of the rounds that way. So that was, that was pretty good. It showed some of my skills. <laughs> Other than that, it was, it was all Nikki and Dell, my crew chief and, and team. And uh, yeah, we, we did good. We, we moved up. I'll share a personal story. I've gone near that track at about one to two miles per hour because every Christmas they have a wonderful Christmas display mm -hmm. right at the speedway. And you kind of yeah. weep in and out of that. But again, I'm going a mile or two an hour. <laughs> you're, you're killing it. <laughs> yeah, add a few to that. <laughs> um, so for those you who can don't... hear it from way far away from that racetrack too, because it's Thunder Mountain. It's like carved into that side of that mountain right there, underneath right. Red Rocks, and it's a beautiful facility. We're really going to miss it. 
a lot. And yeah. the family is great too. The Bandemirs are, are, have been really into racing and I mean, they have sportsman stuff going on, you know, out there. And then, um, uh, I think it's like brung what you, you know, run what you brung kind of stuff as well. So they've, they've had a lot of great, um, shows there and uh, a lot of people are going to miss it. For those who don't know, Alexis, compare that speedway to something that's equally as iconic in another racing venue. Is that oh, like gosh. shutting down Daytona? Not quite. But uh, I wouldn't say Daytona. Darlington, I would say um, I think just because of the uniqueness of it, it's a, a mile above sea level. We don't have any other racetrack that's that high above the sea level. And uh, it just changes everything that you do up there. It changes, um, you know, your, your breathing <laughs> for the drivers, uh, changes the way the cars are set up. Uh, they don't make as much horsepower. They don't make as much downforce. Um, the parachutes don't blossom as, as, as hard. Uh, there's just so many, so many things that make it, make it unique in that sense. Um, it's a different setup. Our crew chiefs have a different setup for that track than any other track <laughs> that we run. Um, so it th- throws a curveball in, uh, you know, your, your tune-ups and, and what you do out there. Um, but it is unique in that sense that it is, it's a mile above sea level and you, you don't really, you don't see that anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. How's your year been? You know, uh, you're, you're knocking on the door of some significant history here. I mean, you had your 200th start recently. Uh, you're, you're obviously now well established as, as a force uh, within um, racing circles. And, and you're actually, you're competing for the first title, your yes. first title, and the first title we, that a female driver would have too. We've had the best start to, our se- to a season yet. Uh, we've been to three finals already. A uh, number of semifinals qualified really well. Um, and we've kind of been moving back and forth between second and third and fourth. And now we're back up to third again. So we did move up two spots um, in the, the beginning of the, this countdown. You know, so, th- I mean, the, the Western swing. So we've got, you know, Denver, Seattle, and then Sonoma. Um, so it's, it's really good to kind of start off this, this swing right here, you know, by going to the finals and getting some really crucial points. Um, the track was tricky this weekend though. A lot of, it was hard to get down. We didn't get down in uh, qualifying very much. And then when we did, we hurt some parts, but <laughs> we managed to make it to the finals. So that's all that matters. <laughs> the year surprising you so far? Um, not really. We've, we've been working towards this last year was like a big test session. Um, we were testing out new parts, uh, new body, uh, just a number of things that we had to like get acclimated to. So it takes a little bit of time to get that going. And we're fairly a new team, DC motorsports. Um, Dell and I, Dell Worsham and I started this, uh, Your team. basically right after COVID <laughs> we right. started it during COVID, but, uh, yeah, things got a little delayed there. What a what a heck of a time to choose to come back, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, well, we've been doing exceptionally well. I mean, we're none of us are newbies here. Dell Worsham, myself, uh, Nikki Bonifani, my car chief Matt Bynum, and just our whole crew. We got to pick and choose who we wanted to be on this team, and and we've been doing really well. So um, all that hard work last year <laughs> really paid off. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to, happy to see it all come to fruition. What's the biggest challenge about owning your own team that maybe you didn't anticipate or running your own team? Well, I've actually, I had my own team when I was, uh, the last few years I raced top alcohol, funny car. Um, I was just finishing, uh, racing with the team, the O'Bannons and alcohol, funny car. And I found out that, um, uh, Bob Newberry was selling his operation and wanted to stay on as like a mentor crew chief. And I was like, man, this is the perfect opportunity. I mean, he's a legend, um, you know, won numerous, uh, uh, races and a championship. I mean, Bob Newberry is one of, one of the real deals and he's got such a great calm demeanor too. He's really, really good to, a really good teacher. So I moved out to, um, Florida and I lived out there for a few years while we ran our team, uh, stealth motorsports. 
and uh, ran with with Bob Newberry, and he taught me everything he knows, and and that was really incredible. But um, yeah, we ran the team. I own the team, so I've had a little bit of experience in it. <laughs> um, seems a bit easier this time around. Um, yeah, why is it easier this time? I've got more help. <laughs> probably. Oh, well, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's easier. Like now, I just have to. I just get to focus on driving the car, which is nice. Yeah. Instead of doing all the, all the other stuff. But um, yeah, it's um, I think it's great this way because like I said, we could pick and choose the parts that we want to use on the car when we want to test um, all those types of things. I really, really am grateful for being able to race with the Kalita Motorsports and Connie Kalita during the first years of my um, pro career. That was just absolutely amazing. And, and I would have stayed, we both would have stayed there. Uh, but this opportunity came up and Del was like, you know, I think we could do this on our own. And, uh, you know, countless other teams have done it. You look at uh, Steve Torrance, you know, they don't, they have sometimes their dad, his dad comes and races one of the cars, but for the most part, they're a single team and they win championships. And, you know, um, so we're like, we could do this. So here we are. <laughs> when you think about two, I mentioned that earlier, the, you know, the 200 starts, you think about 200 starts, uh, what comes to mind? Uh, it, it kind of puts things in perspective. I mean, you, you do this for so long, like the races just kind of blend together and the years and the runs and um, it really just made me kind of take a breath and realize that like, wow, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> 200 starts is pretty impressive. And um, yeah, it's, that's, that's awesome. Every Especially time for- somebody mentions like a, a stat like that, I always go, wow, really? <laughs> I've been to 15 finals. That's awesome. <laughs> like, but right. I don't think about it. Cause we're just, you know, we keep your head down and keep the blinders on and just keep going and racing and racing. And um yeah, uh, you forget sometimes to enjoy the ride and appreciate um, what it took to get here. You started late-ish in this sport. Why drag racing? I the mean, nitro I know, cars. I know you were 16 years old, around about 16, right, when you mm-hmm. saw your first race, and you got really hooked on it. But why drag racing? Well, um, I made a promise that I would work for the family business And I, out of high school, I took some college courses and then was working for my dad's company. Like we all do, like all the family members have. (laughs) And, um, it was a great learning experience. I, I, you know, kind of worked my way up, went from the phones and just like, uh, different, different departments in the company. Um, but that, that was just, I think really good lessons for everything, you know, that, that I was going to experience in drag racing as well minus the driving part, but, um, the social part and, you know, the business aspect of it as well. Um, after four years of working at Paul Mitchell, I still wanted to race really bad. So I had the heart to heart conversation with my dad and I said, thank you so much for this opportunity, but this is something that I need to share to try to do. Like he's always taught us to, you know, uh, if you can make your passion, your profession, then you're going to win at life. And, and you'll never really feel like you're having a day at work. You know what I mean? It's, it's something that, um, you believe in. And if you're passionate about it and you believe in it, you're going to be successful. And I told him, I said, racing, I believe is my passion and I've, I've got to go at least try. I have to, I have to go, I have to go try it, (laughs) you know, and if it doesn't work out, I'll come back. (laughs) What did he say? He just said, well, I, res- I respect that. And he goes, he goes, if you're really serious, you know, go get licensed, try it out. So I had a little bit of savings set up and I went to Frank Holly's drag racing school, got, uh, licensed in uh, super gas, um, found like an old, uh, 63 Corvette roadster. That was a super gas car, bought that, started racing it few races, got my feet wet. Um, my goal was always to be, to be driving a nitro funny car from day one, but I had no experience in NHRA drag racing. So I had to start somewhere <laughs> and no, where's the best way to start. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, learning the ropes that way. 
Um, but that, that motor and that Corvette was kind of on its last leg. It wasn't running really good. Uh, so parked that, um, went back to Frank Holly's drag racing school and got, um, licensed in super comp, uh, found a two-year-old super comp dragster from Steve Williams. Um, and he makes, he builds incredible cars, um, and sell, drives them and sells them every two years and builds another one. So. Once I got in that and I, I met up with a great family that had been racing super comp for years, um, the Robbins family, and they kind of helped me, you know, we parked next to them at the pits and they kind of helped me, uh, get the car, you know, ready and everything. We raced together for a while. And within eight months, I went to two finals and won a sportsman national. So I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. This is, this, this is what I want to do. This is where I belong and I'm good at it. I'm good at it. You know? And I came back to my dad and I was like, here it is, man. Like, and he was, he was impressed. He was like, wow. Okay. You're serious about this. I said, yeah, I'm really serious about this. Um, so I got his blessing and, um, did he understand? He, he did. And, uh, cause for those who I, don't know, by the way, <laughs> you know, he was just the, the, founder of the Paul Mitchell hair care line and Patron tequila. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, at that time Patron was, uh, sponsoring some other motorsports, So it seemed like the right fit. And, um, my dad loves drag racing. Absolutely loves it. Um, it's that like, you know, that, that quick, <laughs> the quickness he likes, he's, he's not much of a NASCAR IndyCar guy, as far as like sitting there and watching them go around, you know, a bunch of times he gets kind of bored. <laughs> so drag racing was a perfect sport for him. Um, having nitro funny car being my goal, I wanted to, uh, you know, train the best I could for that. And so the next step was top alcohol funny car. And that is a very difficult car to drive especially if you've never driven um, a funny car or a drag car like that. Uh, it's got a clutch, you're swapping feet, you're bringing up the motor to about seven grand when you, when you leave the, the starting line and you swap feet and then you shift twice and then you got to keep the thing in the middle and you're going for a full quarter mile. Um, and I did really well in that. My dad wasn't really stoked when he saw where the driver sits in a funny car. <laughs> right. He was like, whoa, 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 wait you're not going to drive that car. Are you? I was like, I already went to back to Frank Holly's for a third time <laughs> and I already paid the money. Yes. I'm driving this car. This is happening. It's going down. He's like, and oh, explain God. to the audience exactly where that is. Uh, where, you where basically <laughs> sit right over the transmission and mm -hmm. the motor is practically in your lap. It's right in front of you. Right. And then you've got this carbon fiber body that, that sits down and like a firewall, you know, like a tin firewall, uh, titanium firewall that's say, separating you from the engine compartment. And then you've got like a driver's, you know, cover right here to cover you. Because when those things let go, when they catch on fire and blow up, it's like a blowtorch right on your face. <laughs> Not like the dragsters where it's all behind you. This is like right here, right now. Um, and I love the funny cars when I watched them go down the track and I was so relieved that I still loved it from the inside of the car. <laughs> uh, I've heard some, I had heard some stories where, you know, people wanted to drive it and they sit in there and they get all suited up and, you know, you've got this suit that looks like you're going to space, <laughs> like you're going to go <laughs> to the moon. You've got like a whole spacesuit, lots of, lots of gear, lots of, uh, head and neck restraints and arm restraints because you really don't want to move around too much in those cars and then you get in and then you there's like a seven point harness and then they lower the body some people just don't like that <laughs> you know if you're claustrophobic uh funny car is not the class for you by any means um but i loved it and i did really really well and I uh, broke some records um, and I was the second female in history to ever win a national event in Top Alcohol Funny Car. And when I finally did that, because I wanted to make sure that I won in every class before I made the jump up. I didn't win in Supergas, but again, I think I only raced five times in that car before it blew up. <laughs> so I went to Super Comp and did really well. Won a, won a uh, sportsman national moved up to top alcohol funny car was there for a while 
uh, really, really, really got good at it and, and learned the ropes before I made the move up and won a, a national event in Seattle, which is the next race we're actually going to. Um, and then I started uh, testing in the, one of the Kalitas, uh, D, the DHL funny car uh, during that time and then made the swap in 2012. Never looked back. Incredible. Let's go back to that conversation with your dad. He realizes where the engine is. He realizes where you're going to be seated. He knows how fast you're going to be going. <laughs> Doesn't he just look at you at some point and go, are you nuts? No, because I was always the wild child of the family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, riding, riding motorcycles, uh, you know, skydiving, uh, snowboarding, just driving fast, just anything, you know, <laughs> anything and always- everything. Your mom always thought you had a death wish, didn't she? She did. She actually said that. She's like, you have a death wish. I'm like, no, I just, I just like to experience life. I like to live life. My dad said, that's the life of the eagle. You could, you have two choices in life. You can build a nest and, you know, and, and at the top of a mountain and have to go through rain, sleet and snow to find your food, or you can live like a clam at the bottom of the ocean and wait for things to come to you and live life, you know, quiet and scared in the little, you know, little room. He goes, what, what type of person are you going to be? Dad, I'm the Eagle for sure. Well, he, was, <laughs> he was the Eagle too though, wasn't he? Yes. In a different way. <laughs> and that can sometimes, you know, make things a little bit hard on yourself. But, um, I think everything that I've been through have, have really shaped me, molded me into the person that I am today. And, and uh, driving these cars is a mental sport. You've got to be mentally strong. Um, it is physical for sure. But um, when you're up on that starting line, I mean, you have to clear your head completely and focus on your job, the task ahead, one step at a time, not too far ahead. You don't want to even think about what just happened. If you do a bad burnout or whatever, um, you get in a fight with your, you know, somebody, you, you got to just clear your head and be in that moment or you're going to, you're going to get left on. <laughs> and I've been on both or, sides of that. Yeah. Well, or, or you're in English town, New Jersey, and you receive a, a bit of a different thrill than you may have expected. And after doing a 5.55 second run and 260 miles an hour, you go down again and your two parachutes detach from the rear of the car just past yes. the finish line and you end up in the safety catch net yes yeah, that was a, yeah that was the top alcohol funny car um and we had like at the time frank manzo and us were like kept going back and forth like um setting the new track record or the new national record um, which of course he, he took away <laughs> but for a while there, we were like back and forth, back and forth. It was pretty awesome, but we had just, we had won the round. We had just ran our quickest time and our fastest speed ever. And I mean, every run that weekend was so great. We kept doing better and better. Uh, my parachutes ripped off the back of the car as soon as they opened up. And English town is a short, is one of the shortest shutdowns from the finish line to the sand trap. Um, not to mention, um, Scott Kalitta lost his life there in nitro funny car and, uh, countless other drivers. So it kind of had this vibe of, you know, um, tragedy. Um, but anyway, uh, when it did rip, when the parachutes did rip off the back of my car, it opened up that they were, they were welded to these tabs on the rear end of the car and it opened it up like a can opener and sprayed rear end loop all over my brakes. So at that moment I had at least slowed down a hundred miles an hour went right when the, when the parachutes blossomed, it slowed me down that much, but with alcohol funny cars, we don't have as much downforce as the nitro cars. So you really rely on your brakes and your parachutes. Well, I had nothing. <laughs> it all went out the door. So I pretty much just, accepted the fact that I'm going in the sand really, really fast. And I, uh, just all, everything that Bob Newberry had taught me, everything that I learned over the years to just, you know, line yourself up in the middle. And as soon as you cross, uh, from pavement into sand, let go of the steering wheel and, you know, hold on like this, because you don't, if it flips just, there's, there's so many things. And, and it's kind of funny how that your brain slows everything down, like that fight or flight mentality. And I remember lining myself up in the middle and I'm still hauling ass. I'm going about 150 miles an hour. 
And I remember seeing one of the track guys where, where the turnoff is going like this, like, oh yeah, just, you know, just keep going straight. And I, I just remember going to myself for a, a quick second, like, yeah, no, no doubt. Like, of course I'm going to go straight. I got, I got no option. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I kind of was like, I had a, a, a quick second of like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was, I was hauling ass. I went over the sand. I didn't even touch it. Went through two uh, of those nets and then four rows of those giant plastic sand filled barrels. And then finally it stopped. Wow. And from the motor plate forward, thank God, the chassis just curled up over the, uh, the engine. But if I would have hit at any other angle, I may not be sitting here talking to you. So mm -hmm. that was, uh, that was a godsend, um, got out completely unscathed. Uninjured. Um, I, yeah. Um, I, the G forces, um, I, a couple hours later made me feel like I was 90 years old, like my whole body hurt, but, um, I was fine. I had no, no injuries whatsoever. Um, I got really lucky, uh, cause the next, the next race there, uh, we didn't have a backup car. Alcohol cars don't usually have backup cars. Um, so we had to rebuild from scratch and the next year we went out and raced at, um, English town. We were two, I was two pairs back, right. In my class, an alcohol funny car and, uh, car goes down there, goes to the end and he doesn't make it. His name was Neil Parker. Wow. And yeah. Wow. And so, uh, they took us all off the track. Nobody was saying anything. And you know, when no one says anything to you, you know, it's bad when yeah. they're not saying anything, give, giving no information, um, went back to the pits and the guys were like, you know, NHRA came by and was like, Hey, if you don't want to run, you don't have to run. Like we get it. Don't, don't worry about it. And I was like, I was like, no, like, um, if other guys are going, like I'm going to, you know, this is, uh, you got to get back up on the horse at some point. And, um, it's already been a year. Like I, I gotta, I gotta get in this thing and I gotta get over it. Well, here's and what I like. It's, it's here's what I like what you said afterwards. I mean, talk about being un, undaunted and uninjured life happens. It's unpredictable. No matter what you do, I'm not going to sit in my house and hide. I'm going to experience the world. Yes. That kind of sums, sums you up. Doesn't it, Alexis? Definitely. Yeah, it goes back to the cool <laughs> and clam analogy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. there's lots of things in life that could make me just make me want to go in my room and never come out. Well, the last few years, my, <laughs> my God. Yeah, exactly. Uh, gosh, this this uh, this form of motorsports is like getting served a, a giant piece of humble pie every weekend. <laughs> you got to take the highs with the lows. And uh, I mean, coming off of a final round appearance or coming off a win. And all the excitement and going over 300 miles an hour, you know, on the daily and then coming home, it's like such a big like energy loss. You know what I mean? You just go through these like huge uh, ups and downs of roller coaster rides of uh, emotions. Um, but uh, luckily we get in a couple of days, get back in the car and, and uh, race Seattle. And we've, we've done pretty good in Seattle. So I'm excited. We're coming off of a, of a final round win. Um, we're third in points right now. We jumped up two spots from last weekend. Right. Um, we've right. got the car to beat. And I've heard some pretty great statistics lately that um, our car, our, our uh, Bandero GR Supra Toyota funny car is uh, consistently the quickest and fastest car in the last two years. Amazing. Try to yeah. explain to the listener the level of absolute violence and power that comes from behind the wheel of a funny car. Walk us through the process of when you start getting into the mental zone, what yeah. you're feeling and what happens after a run. And like you just said, is, is the come down from that high immediate or is it gradual? Uh, it, it's immediate in the sense where you're just exhausted. <laughs> um but then the next day it's kind of like, Oh, like <laughs> it's really a, a, just a drop in your vibe. I mean, I, uh, the day after a race, I'm always just exhausted and I just want to sleep and 
no laundry, no nothing. I just park my suitcase <laughs> and I'll get to that. 300 later. miles an hour and then no laundry afterwards. Yeah, no a- laundry. No. <laughs> um, but when you do go that fast on a consistent basis, you kind of lose um, your sense of speed. Yeah, you're so I get, right? yeah, you get in your streetcar and, you know, how do you 20 go home? Miles, like how do you go 60 home with 65 miles, miles an hour? Yeah, 60 miles an hour feels like you're crawling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, no, I've managed to not get any uh, tickets in the last year, so that's good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine doing, that you would peel out of doing the, better out of, out of the racetrack and go. Well, I'm only going 150. I don't know what the big deal is. Yeah, I try not to. I mean, <laughs> leaving the track, I feel a little deflated, and I, I you know, sometimes. Um, if I don't have to drive, I won't. <laughs> and my boyfriend's thing thinks that's just fine because he feels safer. When he, he doesn't like to like it when I drive too much. Cause I, I just drive fast. And even if we're not in a hurry, it's kind of like, I just drive to get there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. stop and smell the roses. We're not at the track anymore. Calm it down. After the break, I'll continue my conversation with NHRA racer Alexis DeJoria. And to see my interview with Alexis, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 115 interviews and nearly a thousand videos. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back into Cars and Culture. I'm your host, Jason Stein. Now the continuation of my conversation with NHRA racer, Alexis DeJoria. And to see my interview with her, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 115 interviews and nearly a thousand videos. Take us right inside the car and you're getting ready for the lights to turn and you're locked in. What's the mental state? Do you go through the same routine every time? Every time. Um, consistency is important and having the same routine every time. That way you don't forget anything. You don't miss any, any, um, any stops. It's, um, it is a very much a mental sport. So I, I have the same routine with like going down to which glove I put on first, which boot I've put on first, right boot first, left boot first. It's how something I've always done. I get suited up when I put that helmet on it's game on and um, I said at the last race, I made some comment, like I get road rage. I turn into like a, a just a, a monster, <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, it's really intense. Um, like and a, you just like a dragon that's on that. Yeah, right exactly. Or, right. Tattooed <laughs> exactly. on that right foot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, you become one with the race car. Um, you know, you feel everything through that race car. Like I said, you're I'm sitting right on the rear end. So when that car goes out and shakes, trust me, my I'm shaking just as bad. <laughs> like I'm in a paint shaker. Um, you know, when that car goes sideways, I'm going sideways. And it's just like I'm 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 feeling it and driving it from the seat of my pants. And um when these cars go out and spin the tires or shake and, and it's race day and you gotta pedal that car, that's probably the most violent thing you could do because it's like having a bunch of uh starts. You know what I mean? It's like leaving the starting line over and over again every time you come up off that throttle, even though you're probably going three hundred or two miles an hour, two hundred miles an hour out there when those like tires lose traction, it's almost like you feel like you're stopping and then you've got to let it calm down and make sure you're still pointed straight and then you gun it again. So it's like a bucking Bronco and thank God we have chin straps probably snap, snap my neck. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I had to do that one of the rounds to get to the finals and, um, um, I did a damn good job. I couldn't get off the starting line to save my, my ass, but, uh, up there, I just, I, gosh, I, I had cans of, uh, oxygen to try to bring my oxygen levels up. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, in Denver, cause it's so high up and getting acclimated to that, to, to a mile above sea level. Um, usually I go up and I'll, I'll, uh, hike red rocks 
Uh, I dragged my boyfriend up there this weekend. <laughs> I said, go on, this is the last time you got to come with me. Uh, but it was, it was beautiful. Um, like I said, we're really going to miss that racetrack and hopefully the Bandemeers do end up building another racetrack in Denver because um, we love racing out there, but nothing will ever re- uh, replace uh, Bandemere Speedway up in Morrison. Did you ever want to drive anything else? Uh, yeah, I do actually. Um, I love off-road racing, like trophy, trophy trucks and, uh, you know, those kind of cars, pro lights Baja or something Baja or the closed, you know, like the, uh, the smaller tracks, but, um, I love the desert, desert racing, um, all those kinds of cars, um, rally cars. I love that. So I don't know. I've been talking about going to, to the school, to the rally car school, just to try it out. Lamont, maybe endurance. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of money. <laughs> it's, it's a little. Well, it's a little Toyota's pricey. got a Toyota's got a good team. <laughs> yeah, they do, but that's that's it's not my that's not my wheelhouse. So yeah. I don't think I'll be getting a call anytime soon to be driving. One well, I don't know. They might do the program. <laughs> um, do you do you enjoy watching other kinds of racing? Oh, I love it. I love all forms of motorsports. Um, we have the, the Coda circuit of America's racetrack here Only in Austin. Mm-hmm. So we go out there. Uh, I love watching, um, MotoGP NASCAR, uh, off-road. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love all forms you of motorsports nature of it. Don't you? I do. I do. I love that. I love the speed. I love the, the mental, aspect of it and you know these are elite athletes you know they have to be in shape and you use your brain like it's it's a lot it's it's big time when you're done with those like you're just completely spent (laughs) mentally and physically what's your what's your fitness regime how do you how do you stay in in shape for what you do um i work on eating really healthy uh for the most part especially when i'm at the racetrack lots of water uh, lots of proteins. Um, and then when I'm home, I have a trainer that I train with, um, three days a week, two days a week, depending on how much time I have at home. Um, we do a mixture of, uh, weights and, uh, cardio and, and all that kind of stuff. So, and then a lot of work with my arms and, and wrist work to to strengthen my wrists. So got these little lady wrists. So I gotta, (laughs) I gotta work extra hard to get them strong enough to to wheel that beast of a car. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, when you think about all of the different types of drag cars that you've been in, what's your favorite? Nitro funny car. Okay. Yeah. Easy answer. <laughs> Nitro funny car. There's nothing that compares to that. Um, I loved racing alcohol funny car because it was so exciting. And I think like, a lot of, a lot of people consider those to be the hardest cars to drive, um, next to a nitro funny car. And and it is, it really did prepare me for, for what I do now. So the transition from alcohol, funny car to nitro, funny car was a lot easier than super comp dragster to an alcohol, funny car. <laughs> I yeah. had a little, yeah, I had a couple, couple years where it was like, just really, it was tough. It was really tough. And then being like the, one of the only females, having the, um, the family name, you know, there was a lot of expectations of, you know, well, she's never done this before. She's going to fail and people, you know, all eyes are on you. So you've got that extra pressure, uh, to succeed and you've got to quiet the noise. Um, you know, that's the best, uh, best stuff I could give to anybody trying out, you know, for the first time is like, you just have to quiet the noise because you're going to have, haters when you do good or bad. And it's, uh, it's something that you just got to keep believing in yourself and persevere. You've said that you love the fact that there are more women competing in NHRA drag racing than any other motorsport. Yes. And, and there's it- still not that many in the sportsman categories. There's a ton, the pro ranks, there's, there's a handful, but, um, but yeah, we're more than any other motorsport for sure. And there's a whole movement now, as, as you've seen into NASCAR and yes. uh, other, other forms of, of driving. We've had Samantha Tan on this program, who's cool. trying to make her way up through the racing ranks as well. Um, but it's like NHRA has been at the front of this whole revolution. Yes. Why mm-hmm. is that? 
Why is that? Is uh, it that because I, of Shirley Mel Downey? I was about to say that. Um, I believe it's because of people like Shirley Mel Downey. Um, she not only opened the door, she blasted the door open, yeah. won championships, wouldn't take, wouldn't take no for an answer. You know, and I think if there was someone like that, uh, like her in NASCAR or F1, I mean, I, I know it's still very much a, a guy's game out there, but um, luckily we had someone like Shirley Muldowney that really, really made the way for us. A lot of, a lot of strong female um, competitors. Um, I'm friends with, um, with Erica Enders. I mean, she's absolutely incredible, incredible. She's won five championships. Um, Angel Sampe, uh, Brittany Force. Nobody's done it in alcohol, uh, nitro funny car yet, though. So, mm, well, my chances might are pretty good because there I might am be the only one female. person. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the one competitor you really look for? You really looked forward to beating, and why? I'd say Ron Caps. Ron Caps is like I I love Ron Caps as a person. Uh, we're buddies, but man, that team, I mean, he's the champ, he's the reigning champ. Um, anytime we go up against that team, it's like, oh man, they, they are a thorn in our side. It is so hard for us to beat them. We, we can do it and we will do it. But, um, he's, he's definitely won more races, uh, than I have beaten him. So <laughs> he's one of them. Um, Matt Hagen, uh, probably, but, uh, um, sorry, wrong caps definitely is at the top of that list. Wow. An inspiration for you beyond Shirley. Are there others who are, who are just as inspiring? Oh, definitely. Uh, who comes to mind? God bless her heart. Bunny Burkett. Uh, she's mm-hmm. no longer with us. She was the first female to win a, a top alcohol funny car event in in a national top, top alcohol funny car event for females. Um, and she was awesome. She was so supportive, like throughout my alcohol career and into nitro and what a great lady, um, wasn't bitter, didn't turn out to, wasn't jealous, had no jealousy. And she was just really, really supportive and so awesome. Um, Del Worsham, he's another one of my, you know, people that I look up to and he's my mentor, my, my co-team owner, my crew chief, my buddy. Um, but he, him and, uh, Jeff Arend really helped me in my, my early years of nitro funny car. Um, I look up to them, John force, he signed my license, my nitro license. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's been, um, it's been a great ride and I've been able to, uh, work with some incredible people. Yeah. Yeah. You just mentioned some incredible names as parents, Alexis, we want what's best for our children. Obviously, does your daughter want to follow your solidly planted right foot into racing? (laughs) Uh, she kind of did when she was younger, but more so on the NASCAR level, she wanted to race, uh, sprint cars and then go from that to, to NASCAR. And, uh, I was supportive of it. I was like, yeah, cool. Whatever. If you're really serious about it, you know, you, you got to learn the ropes. You got to do what your mom did and, and, and HRA and, she understood that, but at the same time, she was also riding horses and she's kind of like a, a horse whisperer, so to speak. And she was uh, riding English. And then when we moved out here to Texas, she started re- uh, riding Western. She was doing cutting. She wanted to do uh, barrel racing. I mean, she has no fear when it comes to horses. <laughs> wow. So she, she kind of dove more into that and, uh, you know, lost her, her drive to, to race in anything else, but, um, yeah, that was kind of it. And I, I never pushed her to be a race car driver just cause I'm a race car driver. That's, I would never do that. And that's not how my family, you know, that's not what we do. Um, you know, we're, we inspire, we want you to, to do what, what makes sense and what you believe in, you know? And that's why I think my dad to this day is still like, you know, you wanted to do this, you proved yourself and you're doing it and you're successful at it. So I feel like I've, I've made it in that sense, you know, and I've made my father proud and, and that's something that, you know, for a a girl, that's so important, you know, to make your family proud and and have that support from my mom and my dad. You should have told your daughter that she had to go into hair care and uh, tequila. (laughs) 
That would <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does. She she has a great routine, great beauty routine. One that I <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> but then again, I'm not a, I'm not here to be a beauty queen. I'm here to be a nitro funny car driver, and we get if, dirty. <laughs> if you weren't the nitro funny car driver, what would you have pursued, Alexis? Oh, I uh, wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was about five. Yeah, I was going to say astronaut, while. but yeah. That was, yeah. Well, actually I, I wanted to, that's the one thing I did try to push her out. I was like, don't you want to be a, a fighter pilot? And then you could be, you know, uh, an astronaut. She's like, no mom, that's your dream. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I have other, I have other aspirations. Um, so yeah, can- there goes that. Yeah. Or you could have been one of those Red Bull skydivers who who takes motorcycles off of planes or something with parachutes. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Maybe a maybe a Tom Cruise appearance in Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there, yeah, I could be a stunt woman. Yeah. Gosh, that right. could be good. <laughs> final final couple of things. Um, thanks to Wikipedia, we we learned you have a fondness for water towers. Uh, you've helped to preserve the Eagles Court water tower. Yes. And yes. that's an interesting bit of uh philanthropic work how did that come about and do you have and support other philanthropic endeavors i definitely do i'm on the board of my family's charity organization the peace love and happiness foundation and um there isn't anything that we don't support as far as charities go from um from homelessness to environmental to um you know, human trafficking, which is a huge deal right now. My dad just uh, produced uh, the Sound of Freedom, which is out in the movie theaters right now. It's number one in the box office. It's uh, based on a true story, or it is. It's basically a true story. Um, so that's really incredible. But we we have a very wide range of things that we support. Um, another thing is the um, uh, the uh, mobile loaves and fishes out here in Texas. Um, it's a huge plot of land where, um, we basically built like small houses. Um, uh, it's like a community of, uh, self-sufficient, um, has its own chicken coop, has its own, um, um, gardening and metal workshop and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's very cheap housing for, homeless people that want to, that, that do have the ability that want to change, change their lifestyle that want to do something. So it helps get people off the street and back into society. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we're very, very proud of. And we hope to um, progress into other, other States and other cities with this. What a wonderful. And, uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. And another thing is um, the sea shepherd um, water conservation society um, Paul Watson, uh, my dad donated, uh, yeah, or we donated um, from Peace, Love and Happiness Foundation, do- donated one of their ships to um, help conserve our beautiful, beautiful beasts of the water, the whales, the um, dolphins and uh, baby harp seals. I've been on some of those missions as well, but we're, we're very much into um, environment and, uh, and just helping society as a whole. So is there a movement to go to an electric uh, nitro dragster then? That, no. In order to- <laughs> <laughs> that is a no. Uh, believe it or not, nitromethane is a fairly uh, clean burning fuel. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, you know, everybody's got cry- is crying, coughing after I do a, a warm up in the pit because it's so intense, but it does clean. It does burn very clean. So there's, there's that, there's that, but, uh, I don't see electric funny cars happening in the near future. Thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Maybe we can, maybe, maybe we can proclaim that as a, uh, as a, as, as the next movement to try to, uh, to try to prevent. Um, this is cars and culture. Sum up for me in 30 seconds or less, the culture of what you do. The culture, it is what we eat, breathe, and sleep. From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, I'm thinking about that Nitro Funny Car. It's a lifestyle. It's, uh, it's the most intense, most uh, quickest accelerating sport in the world. Um, there is nothing that compares to these cars, but you have to come out and see it in person. TV does not always do it justice. Once you come and see one of these races, 
you will be a fan and you will be hooked. Come on, let's go. The soon to be first female champion as predicted (laughs) by me. Thank you. Thank you so so much for being (laughs) on the program. What an enjoyable, fast trip with you. Awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Alexis. Thanks again to my guest today, NHRA racer Alexis DeJoria. And to see my interview with Alexis, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 115 interviews and nearly 1,000 videos. And thanks for listening. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on Instagram at Cars and Culture SXM and on Twitter at Cars Culture SXM. I'm Jason Stein. We'll see you down the road. Hi, everyone. I'm Perry Peltz. You don't have to say it. We live in complicated times. So join us on The Perry Peltz Show and meet the people who are helping to shape that complicated world. The Perry Peltz Show. Saturdays at 2 p.m. East, Sirius XM Business Radio. If you're a Springsteen fan, you just found the promised land. Hear rare interviews and performances. Live concerts. Is there anybody alive? DJs. This is Rob Lowe. Hey, baby, it's little Steven here. And more exclusives when listening to Bruce Springsteen's channel. Welcome, Bruce Springsteen, to E Street Radio, your home away from home. Great to be here. E Street Radio, Sirius XM Channel 20. Hey, everybody, I'm Andy Cohen. Hear me and my awesome lineup on Radio Andy. Andy Cohen Live. Jeff Lewis Live. Smith Sisters Live. Reality Check. Revelations. Now with new shows. Gail King in the house. It's Me Tanks. The Jess Cagle Show. From pop culture, politics, music, to show-stopping moments. Jennifer Lopez. Lil Nas X. Lisa Kudrow. Jay Leno. Ricky Martin. Goldie Hawn. Kevin Hart. I'm bringing oops back. All this on Radio Andy. Sirius XM 102 and on the SXM app. Do you have concerns about your heart health? Yeah. We've got a doc for that. Huh. Have questions about men's health, women's health, and everyday health? Sure. We've got a doc for that. Really? Interested in improving your exercise and eating routine? Yeah. We've got a doc for that. Hmm. A nurse practitioner and a registered dietitian, too. Wow. Sirius XM's Doctor Radio. Your access to top doctors and health professionals every day. No copay, no appointment necessary. Huh. Sirius XM 110. Who knew? Hey, this is Karen Hunter, and at Urban View, we have a family of tough people. We are about making change. Who are willing to not just work, but to have a vision. We demand that the people take action. Use their power to make change. That's what really Urban View and the Madison Show is all about. We invite you and we challenge you to create the world you want to live in. It's not your typical talk channel. Urban View, Sirius XM 126.